0: This this message in your name Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 Okay. So during the past couple months, I don't know if you guys have felt like this, but um I, I've I've felt like this in some sorts, or I have seen others feel like this, and I, I I've noticed how people feel a little sad, or have felt sad, or have felt anger and disappointment and even hopelessness. And What's been happening what I've seen happen in our country for the past couple months is just this 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 great division and people at odds with each other. And I've I've noticed people being offensive and, and people taking offense towards others. And it doesn't feel good. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel good to, to see others feel like that or to be amongst others who feel like that. We don't want anybody to feel like that. We don't want to be divisive in our nation. Um, I saw this, um, I saw the, t- the cover of the Times that said, uh, it said Donald Trump president of the divided states, instead of the United States, the divided states. And uh, I, just, I just don't like division, you guys. I, I don't like it, I, I think it's sad. Um, And so I, you know, during this time, I I've reflected and really just prayed with God and and asked him, God, should I, like when I see these things happen in like the circle that I'm in or the people that I'm around, um, do you want me to say anything? Like how should I respond or should I respond at all? Like do you want me to say anything at all? Should I just pray quietly and, and, you know, let them be or should I say something? And, I've also had to really analyze where my heart is. Because sometimes when we see an injustice happen, or sometimes when we see something that's going on that we think that is unfair, or that is not right, or or perhaps we wanna feel like we can fix a situation, sometimes all of that is in our heart. And it's very important that before we speak, before we even correct anybody, or approach anybody with anything like that, it's important that we check and see where our heart is at. Like, God, in what condition is my heart in? How am I gonna to go to that person and tell them what, what is my intention and what is the end result of, of this conversation? And so I, I've thought about things like that and I've, I've, I've really analyzed and, and searched my heart um, because I, I have been personally um, challenged by it, like me personally, I've seen certain relationships end and certain people take offense and it's, it, it's been a challenge. Have you guys felt like that? Has anyone else felt like that? Okay, for me it's crazy to see what happens when people are offended. Like have you guys ever like looked at, at that before? Like I've been able to sit back and look at how people react when they're offended. Like when we are all offended we do something. Some of us step up to that offense and wanna fight or some of us retreat and hide under the bed or the sheets or whatever. And it's, it's just crazy to see our world today and how we react when we're offended, what we do when we feel offended. I believe that today and age, we're, we're living in a, in, a, in a society or in a world where it, it seems like people are easily offended. Like, it seems like that. It seems like we're all, like, we easily take offense to things. Um, and so we have to kind of take extra steps sometimes, or we feel like we have to uh, take extra precautions to not offend people. So, I'm going to be talking about taking offense today, and so with that, my, uh, my sermon is called Sticks and Stones. Have you guys heard of sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Have you guys heard of that saying? It's no longer sticks and stones, but it is words. Words that are hurting us. So I feel like we have to take precautions, right? To not offend people. And I'm not saying let's be offensive, but I am just I just feel like it's, it's crazy how we do have to take these extra measures to walk on eggshells to not offend anyone. And I'm not saying let's not, you know, be careful or mindful of what we say, but it's gotten me to think, and, and I have this question. Do you guys think that as a society, we've become more offensive? Or are we just offended easier? Like, have we become more offensive as people? Like, are we crueler? Are we meaner? Are we more sarcastic now? Or is it that we're just very thin-skinned? Like, we don't have thicker skin anymore. Like, we don't let things roll off our shoulders. But if somebody looks at me wrong, oh my god, I'm offended. If somebody doesn't say hi to me, oh my god, I'm offended. They hate me. And it just may happen that that person had to rush in because they really had to go to the restroom or they had something in their eye or or something, you know? But we sometimes make our own conclusions and we get offended. And these things, what ends up happening is that it ends up dividing us. It ends up causing separation amongst us, in family, in, in, in friendships, like we, we let friends go because I thought that that person looked at me the wrong way and so I'm not going to talk to them anymore because now they hate me and I hate, hate them and, you know, whatever. And I, I, don't, I don't think we want to we wanna live this way. I don't think we want to be this way where we're so offended that we let relationships go. Amen. So I faced this question recently, um, as far as whether I was easily offended or not, and for me, the, question, the answer to the question was yes. I've been living lately, or the past couple of months, I've been feeling and analyzing myself and, and I've realized that I've been living a life where I've become someone that's easily offended. And what that's ha- what that's done to me—it's—it's—it's it's, it's caused me to separate. It's caused me to want to be by myself. It's caused me to not want to be social or to even not trust people. Um, it, it's just not good. And I'm I'm sharing this with you guys today because I don't want you guys to go through this. I don't want this to be something that we cultivate. The world may cultivate it, but we're not going to cultivate it in here. And so I don't want you guys because of offense which may end up being a miscommunication, let go of a relationship or seclude yourself or even distance yourself from the Lord or or whatever it may be just because of offense. Living this way is not good just having fault and anger and sadness, reclusion and not trusting, these aren't things that we're meant to have in our lives. We're not meant to live counting other people's faults or being angry at other people or being saddened by other people. These aren't ways of, of living for us. It's good for us to have a disagreement. It's good for us to have a difference of opinion because in that there's room for growth. There's room for conversation. If my husband and I don't agree with something, what we do is we sit down, we talk about it, and we say, okay, this is what you think, this is what I think, and we come to an uh, an agreement together. But what we're not doing right now is we're not talking about it as a world, as a society. We're not talking about these things that we should be talking about. So with that, I want to take you guys to Matthew. Matthew 15, verse 21. Before we read, I just wanna tell you guys that it's good to have people around us that don't necessarily agree with us. It's, it's healthy even. It's unhealthy to wanna to be around the same people all the time. While we may love them, it's good for us to challenge ourselves and talk to people that may not necessarily agree with us because what can happen is that person may impact us in a good way or we can impact them in a good way. And this is going to be a, a good uh, example of that. So verse 21 says, From there Jesus took a trip to Tyre and, uh, and Sidon. They had hardly arrived when a Canaanite woman came down from the hills and pleaded, Mercy, Master, Son of David. My daughter is cruelly afflicted by an evil spirit. Jesus ignored her. The disciples came and complained. Now she's bothering us. Would you please take care of her? She's driving us crazy. This is the disciples of Jesus. Verse 24. Jesus refused, telling them, I've got my hands full dealing with the lost sheep of Israel. Then the woman came back to Jesus, went to her knees, and begged, Master, help me. He said, It's not right to take bread out of the mouth's Uh, out of the children's mouths and throw it to dogs. She was quick, and she said, you're right, master. But beggar dogs do not get scraps. But don't beggar dogs get the scraps from the master's table? Jesus gave in. Oh, woman, your faith is something else. What you want is what you get. Right then and there, her daughter became well. So this woman goes to Jesus, and Jesus refuses her at first. Then she goes to the disciples, and the disciples don't want to deal with her. So she comes to Jesus again, and I don't know if you guys caught that, but Jesus didn't say the nicest thing to her. He compared her to a dog, right? That's not necessarily nice. I wouldn't want to be compared to a dog. And so this woman, with what she said to him, she impacted Jesus. With her persistence, with her communication, she impacted the Lord. And when I read this, I was, I just, I don't know, I was really taken back by it because I thought, wow, like what Jesus said to her wasn't the nicest thing. But yet she she stood there. She stood there and she spoke to Jesus and she explained to him why she needed him. She was not offended by him. She didn't take offense to his words. Can you imagine if this woman had taken offense to Jesus? If Jesus said, you know what, I'm not going to give bread to the dogs," And she was like, all right, fine then. And like, just leave. Her daughter wouldn't have been healed. She wouldn't have had her daughter's healing. But because she didn't take the offense, she saw beyond it and she saw that that this Jesus was the Jesus that was going to do for her what it is that she needed she stayed there she spoke to him about it and she impacted our lord carrying offenses doesn't benefit us as you can see from this story if she had carried that offense like i said her daughter wouldn't probably her daughter wouldn't have been healed but she didn't carry it so for us carrying offenses doesn't benefit us It doesn't benefit us to carry this big bag of insults with us and keep count of them and keep people's faults or offenses towards us. There was many times where Jesus himself was offended, but if you notice, he always rose above them. He never let them affect him or stop him, stop his purpose. The awesome thing about Jesus is that Jesus cared without insecurity or dependency on being cared for back. I want to say that to you guys again. Jesus cared for everybody. He loved on everybody without insecurity or dependency on them loving him back. And that's big. That's big because what that does for him is it, or what it did for him is it freed him. It didn't make him dependent on other people's approval or on other people loving him back. It didn't make him insecure. And for us, for us, I want you guys to imagine yourselves if, if, you, if we all were like that today. If we loved without caring about being loved in return. If we said, I'm going to love with all I have, even if they don't love me back. I'm not going to love for, love for love in return, but I'm just going to love for love's sake. Amen. I think our world would look a lot different. I think our relationships would look a lot different. And we, ourselves, would live a lot freer if we weren't dependent on other people returning our affection or returning uh, the favor or the love or whatever. We would live better and we would love better. As a people, what should matter to us more? Should it matter to love above offense? or to hold and count offenses? And obviously it's a rhetorical question, we all know the answer to that. But it's hard to live these things out. We know these things, we know that they're right, we know that they're true, but why are they so difficult to live out? Why is it so difficult for us to to hate back when people hate us or when people talk about us? And instead of returning hate or slander or negativity or a dirty look or whatever, why don't we return back love? Why don't we return back prayer? Jesus was so above offense, even through betrayal. Even through betrayal, he was so above offense. He sat at a table and he had a full-on dinner with Judas, with Judas. Judas was sitting, imagine, I can imagine Judas sitting smack in front of Jesus, eating his spaghetti and meatballs and dipping his bread in the garlic sauce. Like with confidence, right? Judas, because he didn't care. So I'm sure he's like dipping his bread, like all confident-like, all like he's at home without a care. And Jesus knows that this man has been working with the Pharisees behind closed doors, betraying him for silver. Jesus knew that. But Jesus let him have part of the dinner. Jesus let him take part of that last supper. That last and final supper that we all remember. You know, we come here together and we drink of the wine and we drink of the bread and we remember Jesus and what he did for us. And Jesus let Judas do that too. Knowing Judas was going to betray him, he rose so far above offense. So far above offense. But now, what's also crazy is that while well, he didn't let Judas's offense get to him and he allowed Judas to be part of that special night he didn't take Judas to the transfiguration event either though and that's important for us to see and i want to i want to make that clear that Judas allowed Jesus to be part of the last supper but Judas didn't take Ju- but Jesus didn't take Judas to uh, the mount of olives where Moses and Elijah came down He only took John, his brother, and Peter. He only took them. He didn't take Judas. So while Jesus didn't take offense, he didn't hold offenses from people, he also knew that there were times where only certain people were going to be part of certain things in his life. Does that make sense to you guys? Could you imagine us if we were in that situation? Like if you know we ordered pizza at our house or something, I wouldn't let someone that has been talking about me come and enjoy my pizza. <laughs> I expected more laughs out of that, you guys. I'm either losing my touch or you guys don't understand my, my sense of humor. Most of us have been hurt, amen? Most of us have been hurt at one point or another. And what happens when we're hurt, what happens when we're betrayed, what happens when when we're offended is we build walls, we build barriers, and we strategize our defense plan. We, We seclude ourselves, we push people away, and that's what we do. And this hurt, if carried, can hinder us. It can stop us from from fulfilling our purposes. I don't know if you guys have ever been mad at somebody so much where you can't stand their presence, where you can't stand to be in a room with them, where you just, as soon as they walk into the room, you're like, oh my gosh, here comes that person. I don't know if you guys have ever felt like that. It's not okay for us to feel like that, to look at somebody and, and, and just feel sick by them. That's not okay. There is offenses that we can't stand for, though. For example, if you're a man or a woman and you're being f- uh, physically abused at home or verbally abused or abused in any way, those are offenses that we don't stand for, that I don't stand for. I'm not going to tell you if, you're, let's say, your wife is beating you at home. I'm not going to say, you know what, brother, you just got to stick it out. You got to stick it out. (laughs) I'm not going to say that to you. (laughs) Some of you may want to talk to me after service. My office is right over there. (laughs) But those those are the type of things that in good conscience, I can say to you, I think it's time for you to remove yourself from that type of situation. However that doesn't give you the the freedom or the license to hate that person for abusing you. And that's tough. It's tough to say this person is beating me up, yet I'm still gonna love them. I think you can love them from a different state, and that's okay. You can love them from afar, and that's what God is calling us to do. He's not calling us to hate. He's calling us to love, even when we're offended, even when we're beaten, abused. People steal our identity. They steal our credit card, our purse, our wallet. We got to love them. We have to love them and pray for them. And honestly and genuinely desire that God would reveal himself to them. We should desire and pray that the, the, per, the person or the people that do wrong to us, we, we should desire and pray that God would make a difference in their lives. While Jesus was offended by Judas, he didn't make a big deal out of it, and he didn't condemn him. And we ourselves, we also, we, we can't put people out there or condemn them or, or, or ridicule them either. Jesus, if I can say this, Jesus was classy about how he dealt with offenses. He was very dignified in how he um, interacted with offensive people. He didn't stoop to a lower level. He didn't, you know, be weird or anything. But he he was classy about how he did things. And he was very free because he didn't carry it around. Think about it, he was so free. He wasn't uh, impacted by the Pharisees murmuring, by Jesus, by Judas betraying him. Instead, he healed, he loved, he encouraged. He was not turned away because of the people's faults. He was not turned away because of people's failures. He didn't let that hold him back. So for us, let's forgive and not be held back by people's faults, but be encouraged to continue to heal, to love, to encourage Jesus wants us to live in forgiveness, and I'm going to prove it to you. If you guys want to go to Matthew, and it's Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Uh, let me hear an amen when you're there. Amen. At that point, Peter got up the nerve to ask, Master, how many times do I forgive a brother or a sister who hurts me? Seven? Hardly. Try 70 times seven. Seven. I find this so funny. So, so Peter gets up the nerve to ask Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone that's like, you know, offending me? How many times? How many times do I forgive? Seven? And Jesus says, no, 70 times seven. Do you guys know how many times that is? I'm really smart, so I can do the math right now in my head. It's 490 times. I didn't, like, practice that or anything. That was all, like, off my brain right now. 490 times, you guys. 490 times is Jesus' answer to Peter. So let's think about it this way. Let's think about it like this. Picture the same person coming to you and offending you 490 times. The same person... 490 times offending you. Let's say with the same thing. Let's say calling you ugly. 490 times. I don't think, I don't know if, if I can do that. 490 times someone comes to you and smacks you in the face and walks away. 490 times someone comes, spits in your tomato sauce or soup and walks away. 490 times. I bet you're not going to forget that number. 490 times is Jesus' answer to Peter. Not 7, not 11, 490. That's almost 500 times. We might as well just add the other 10. Let's just say 500 times. Why not? 500 times. You should forgive somebody for offending you. So now let's read Matthew 18, 23. And it says, The kingdom of God is like a king who decided to square accounts with his servant. As he got underway, one servant was brought before him who had run up a debt of $100,000. He couldn't pay up. So the king ordered the man, along with his wife, children and goods, to be auctioned off at the slave market. Um, At the slave market. Verse 26, the poor wretch threw himself at the king's feet and begged, Give me a chance and I'll pay it all back. Touched by his plea, the king let him off, erasing the debt. So $100,000 the king forgave. Verse 28, The servant was no sooner out of the room when he came upon one of his fellow servants who owed him $10. He seized him by the throat and demanded, pay up now. The poor wretch threw himself down and begged, give me a chance, I'll pay it all back. But he wouldn't do it. He had him arrested and put in jail until the debt was paid. When the other servants saw this was going on, they were outraged and brought a detailed report to the king. The king summoned the man and said, you evil servant, I forgave your entire debt when you begged me for mercy. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servant who asked for mercy? The king was furious and put the screws to the man until he paid his entire debt, and that's exactly what my Father in heaven is going to do to each one of you who doesn't forgive unconditionally. Anyone who asks for mercy. It's kind of harsh, huh? But I mean, <laughs> $100,000 were forgiven. $100,000. And he couldn't forgive $10. I read this to you because let's just say, I mean, this is, this is not accurate at all, okay? No way is this accurate. But let's just say that what Jesus did for us was $100,000 worth. Right? Can we not spare $10 for someone else? Or let me put it this way. Jesus... What he did for us was for eternity. What he did for us was forever. Forever is what he did for us. We get to, after we die, after we leave this earth, we get to go into his presence and be with him forever. That's what he did for us. And so we can't forgive a person in our lifetime in comparison to eternity. We can't forgive in a lifetime. What is our lifetime now? Let's say 80 years. I don't know, I really don't know the math on that, but let's say 80 years. Let's compare 80 years to eternity. Can we not forgive our, our, our offenders in a lifetime when eternity has been forgiven for us? Come on. We are to love above offense. So what is love? What is love capable of? And what does love do exactly? Let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians. And you guys have all heard this, especially if you've ever received a wedding invitation. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Are you guys there? So this is Paul and just listen to Paul's words because they're amazing. Like this is Paul speaking with passion. He's saying, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, always perseveres. That's what love does. All of that is what love does. I've been reading this book. Um, I've been reading this book, and the reason why I'm talking to you guys about this is because a while back, my, my husband preached a sermon on on how we tend to stack up people's flaws against them. We keep record of people's wrongs and we hold them against them. And when he, when he, when he delivered that amazing message, something happened in my heart. And I think, I think that, well, I know the Holy Spirit started doing something inside of me because I had been living easily offended, to be honest with you guys. And so that was already stirring in me and, and, I, and I started reading this book. And I had, like, the aha moment. So I'm going to read it to you guys. The entire book right now. Just kidding. Thank you for the joke. Okay, so I'm going to read to you guys two portions. Um, I'm going to try to do my best in reading, so hopefully you guys understand. The best way to let something go is to immediately and from your heart Decide not to pick up the offense in the first place. He didn't mean it, is what we can say, and move on with your life. You give people the benefit of the doubt, even when there is very little doubt. You know they meant it, but you are choosing to believe the best. To believe they regret it now. To believe that's not what they wanted for their lives. To believe that they did it in ignorance or haste or pain. But they are really not that kind of people. If you do this, your soul will be so free. Your ice cream will taste better. Your kale will have some flavor. You will have a skip in your step and a sparkle in your eye because you are not controlled by the offenses of others. Can you imagine what our families and marriages would look like if we included this phrase in our daily vernacular? What the church would look like? What nations and politics and media and neighborhood associations and every other societal relationship would look like believing all things because that's what love does i was so impacted by this Par- two paragraphs believing believing in the best in people even when we don't see the best in people Even when people aren't being the best versions of themselves, still choosing to believe because of love. Choosing not to be offended by their offenses, but choosing to love. I'm gonna read this, this last part to you guys. Finally, love endures. To endure means you don't retaliate or reject or say, "I'm done with you. You cross the line, and I'm out of here." Paul was saying that love doesn't do that. Love doesn't write people off. It doesn't give people the silent treatment. It doesn't passive, aggressively dig at other people. It doesn't keep a mental list of grievances until eventually it erupts. Love is bigger than that. When I read that, I just, I had to step back and I had to really look at my life and look at what I was letting get to me, what I was allowing to affect me, what I was allowing to control me. And that's not how we are designed to live. That's not what God is asking us to do or how he's wanting us to live. That's that's not what he died for. Living this way, living offended by others and being controlled by what others say or the offenses that others give you is crippling. It cripples you, like I was saying earlier. And that's why Jesus wants us to be so free from that. Amen? So after reading, after reading this, I, I really had a breakthrough. And, and this is really why I want to share it with you guys. Because I want you guys to, to not be held down by, by this. I want us to not take, you know, uh, passive-aggressive shots at each other on our way out of here. Love endures all things. There are mean people out there, but the Bible says, how can we love God who we cannot see and not love our neighbor or our brother and our sister who we can see? Plain as day. How can I say that I love God, but I'm I'm holding this offense against someone else? We're all in different places in our lives here. We're all at different ages, different things going on in our lives. All of us are in different stages. But commonly, we should all desire to love and please God. That should be our common desire is to love and please our Father. No matter how old we are, no matter what we're doing in life, that should be our, our one of our common desires. Forgiveness. To forgive. To love God and to forgive because that is one thing that he wants us to to do. That's that's how he wants us to live. He wants us to live in forgiveness. I mean, if we think about it, what is a Christian that won't forgive? It's kind of like an oxymoron. A Christian that won't forgive. That shouldn't make sense to any of us a christian who can't love or look beyond a fence that's an ugly lifestyle i've i mean i've heard of people who hold on to grudges so long that they go months six months without talking to each other years without talking or sharing with each other they let go of relationships because of an offense so we're called to forgive because there is peace in it and there is freedom in it so I want us to go lastly I'm, I'm going to finish but I want us to lastly go to Luke um, chapter 23 and um, we're going to read verse 33 through 35 so Luke 23 verse 33 you guys there? Okay, when they got to the place called Skull Hill, they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Dividing up his clothes, they threw dice for them. The people stood there staring at Jesus and the ringleaders made faces taunting and they said he saved others let him save himself the messiah of god ha the chosen ha so jesus is dying he's on the cross and these soldiers are dividing his clothes and throwing dice gambling for them They're mocking him and taunting him. But Jesus rose so high above offense, so high above this, this taunting, above this hatred, that he said they don't know what they're doing. He is rising so far above, and he first forgives them. He forgives his murderers, the taunting Roman the plotting Pharisees, and the seemingly ungrateful people of Israel who had been following him, whom he healed, who he encouraged and loved and accepted, all of these people, he forgave them. And then he asks our wonderful Father to forgive them as well. I was, I, I'm just so in awe of him. And he is such an example for us. Jesus is, he, he, he did this for us. He did this for you and I. He went through that for us. So now you and I, we can live an unoffended life and forgive in life for him. And so I just want to encourage you today. I want to ask you today, I want to plead with you today. If there's somebody that has offended you, if there's somebody right now that you can think of that has offended you in a horrible way, in the worst way possible, I want you to just bring them to your mind. And obviously, with the help of the Lord, forgive and let them go. Forgive the offense and be freed from it. Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love podcast. We hope you are blessed by this message. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us. And if you're in the LA area, we would love to meet you. We have services Sundays at 2 p.m. and Fridays at 8 p.m. We are located at 1900 Medford Street, Montebello, California 90640. Thanks again and God bless you.